I want to talk to you about creating your future, creating your future. How many of you want to create your future with grace, promotion, and protection? Say that with me. Grace, promotion, protection. Say it with me again. Grace, promotion, protection. How many of you need some grace? Grace is good. You have two families going through the same thing. One family gets through it and they're better. That's grace. Another family tries to go through it and they fall apart. How many of you want to be the one with grace? And so grace isn't really getting us really out of things. It gives us um, just an ease to go through it. Am I right about it? You ever seen a graceful dancer? Maybe someone like Bree, not me, but a graceful dancer. It's just a grace. You are, you're able to, it's like ease. Have you ever been through something in your life and you look back and you realize, man, I got through that by grace. I didn't do it on my own. It was the grace of God that got me through that. Anybody in here? How many of you want grace? Promotion is graduating or advancing to another level or position. How many of you want to go to the next level? You want to go to the next level with God? You want to go to the next level in your business? You want to go to the next level in your finances? You want to go to your next level in your ministry? Anybody in here? Anybody here say, you know what, I don't want that? Okay, nobody. Everybody says, I want grace. Everybody says, I want grace. How many of you know you need grace in your relationships? You need grace in your marriage. You need grace in your finance. You need grace, things that make it causes you to come to an ease. You need promotion in your life. You need promotion. You need protection. How many of you want to be protected from every snare of the enemy? You want to be protected in your life. Your family is being protected. And I, I really, these things work together. I'm speaking about grace, promotion, and protection because there's one attribute in your life that will produce all three. And I want to read three scriptures, and I want you to see in these three scriptures a common denominator in every single one of these scriptures that really begin to tell us it produces, this one thing produces grace, promotion, and protection. Can we look at that today? Let's look at, um, let's look at Ephesians 2.8. It says this, for by grace you have been saved through, for by grace you have been saved through, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. So for by grace you have been saved through faith. Number two, Matthew 25, 23. His Lord said to him, well done, good and servant. You have been faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. That sounds like promotion. So the first one, grace, you have been saved by grace through. You have, you have been faithful with a, a little, and I'm going to make you ruler over. Over much. Do you see a common theme here? Let's look at the third one. Protection. Proverbs 2 8. He guards the path of the just and protects those who are. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. It sounds like grace, promotion, and protection comes from one attribute that God wants you to have, and it's being faithful. It is faithfulness. 
Now, we can all have different views of faithfulness. We can think of faithfulness in different kind of ways, but it is being full of faith. It is not just being consistent. It is not just serving. It is not just so showing up. It is showing up full of faith. So faithfulness in your life is not being perfect. Can we get that right? Faithful in, faithfulness in your life is not falling, and it's not when you're just not failing. Faithfulness in your life is when you're getting back up. Come on, somebody. You know, those people that pretend like they're perfect, they're not. Faithfulness is not that you never hit a bump in the road. Faithfulness is that you get back up and you keep going. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not quitting. And when you are faithful to God, God will give you grace, promotion, and protection. How many of you know that God in Revelation, the main character of God in Revelation 11, it says that God is faithful and true. He's faithful and true. If you were to sum up what God is, he's faithful. He's faithful. Has God been faithful to anybody in, with you today? You know, the Bible says that even when we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Even when we have found ourselves in a place where we haven't been faithful to God, he's still faithful. Is that good or not? And, you know, religion tries to pretend that everything is good and put on a facade and pretend like everybody, you know, you got a perfect life. But faithfulness has some elements that causes you to be genuine and get back up. See, the Bible says that Abraham was righteous. Why? Because of his faith. Because of what he believed. See, right believing produces right actions. Right believing produces right actions. And so Abraham was righteous because of his faith. It's what he believed. It's what he believed about God. And what you believe about God will ultimately affect what you believe about yourself. It is just true. What you, the way that you see God and view God will begin to change the way that you see uh, yourself. Your God is not an earthly father. He's a heavenly father. He's better than any earthly father. And a lot of people, they get a perception of God because of the father that they have. But even if you've had a great father, it does not compare to the heavenly father in heaven. He's good and he's faithful and he's loving. Am I right about it? And so I want to challenge you today that the Bible says that the righteous falls seven times but gets back up seven. Does the Bible says that does the Bible say that the righteous never stumble? Does the does the Bible say that the righteous never falls? No. What does it say? The righteous fall seven times and get back up seven. I see some people in the room today that you have fallen on your face, but you're here today. You have fallen and you have fallen, but you get back up because you say greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It is not being perfect, it's being perfected. And if we pretend like we're perfect, then we're just being fake. But those that say, I choose to believe what God says, then you will see yourself walk out faithfulness in your life. How many of you want to walk out faithfulness in your life? Man, I love that God is faithful. I love that God believes in me. He does not change. You know, God never changes his mind about you. Think about this for a second. 
If God knew every fault and every failure in your life from the beginning to the end, he would have still shed his blood just for you. If God knew every fault and every failure in your life and viewed it and saw it, he would still shed his blood just for you. I don't know about you, but that makes me thankful. That makes me say, you know what, if God is faithful and believes in me, then you should believe in yourself and what he says about you so that you can step out of the old and come into the new. Do you believe that? How many of you want to step out the old? See, religion keeps you in the old. But God's faithfulness and a correct view of God will get you into the new. How many of you want to get out of the old? You want to get out of the old routine. You want to get out of the old excuses. You want to get out of the old arguments and begin to say, I'm going to come into faithfulness and grace and protection and promotion is going to invade my life. This is the year for grace, protection, and promotion to invade your life. I believe that people are going to come into prosperity this year. I believe that people are going to come into a grace in their life and their family that they never experienced before. I believe they're going to be protected in such a way that a 1,000 may fall on your right and 10,000 of your left hand, but nothing goes nigh your dwelling. Even though things might go on around you, you know that although you go through the valley of the shadow of death, you fear no evil. There's going to be things in your life this year that last year would have knocked you down, but this year, you have eyes of a lion because you know nothing can come nigh your dwelling. You know that surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. You're getting away from the old. You're getting away from the old thinking, and you're coming into correct believing. How many of you want that in your life? If you want that in your life today, I just want you to close your eyes and lift your hands. Like, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your blood. And we thank you for your goodness. And we thank you that you believe in us. Say this with me. Jesus, let me hear your voice so that I can change my heart and enter into the purpose that you have set for my life. I welcome faithfulness into my life that produces grace, protection, and promotion. If you believe that, give God a hand. Come on, five seconds. Can you give God a hand? He's worthy of it. Lee and I have a uh, thing that we do. If, if we do something that is kind of out of our character or something that we don't, like, really agree with, we'll say, don't be that guy. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be that guy. How many of you have some pet peeves in your life? You just don't want to be that guy. Like the guy that orders a double whopper with cheese and a supersize it but says, give me a Diet Coke. Don't be that guy. If you're going to supersize go ahead and get the Coca-Cola. The diet's not going to hurt you or it's not going to help you at all. How about um, don't be that guy. Don't buy There are some things you don't go cheap on like toilet paper. Don't be that guy. Toilet paper's not. Get, get some cheap paper towels. You know what I mean? Your hands are rough. Moving on. You know that guy that is always the one-up guy? Don't be that guy. Like, I just bought a $200,000 house. Oh, I bought my mom was $250,000, right? I killed an eight-point. I killed a 10-point last year. You know, the one-up guy. Don't be that guy. 
Look at your neighbor and say, don't be that guy. If you become a doctor, please, if you become a doctor in here and you set up an appointment, don't ask me to come at 9 o'clock and see me at 11. Don't be that guy. We are important too, right? Don't be that guy. I'm sitting in a doctor's office all day. I got to take all day off just because you think you're very, very important. Don't be that guy. How many of you know that uh, there are people that say, you know what, I'm almost there, and they show up an hour later? Don't be that guy. And then they blame it on traffic, like Haman has so much traffic. Haman doesn't have much traffic. There might be a train that's going to keep you, like, maybe 10 minutes. Don't be that guy. Like, I'm almost there. I'm going to be there. Oh, yeah, you show up an hour later. Don't be that guy. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be that guy. Listen. Listen, I'm not going to judge you if you smoke cigarettes. I'm not judging you. I'm not for that. But if you, but there's something about the Piggly Wiggly. They set the smoking bench by the propane. I am going to judge you if you're smoking by propane. Only in Hammond would that happen. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. You can blow up. Somebody talk to the manager. Every time I go there, I say, hey, you notice the bench is by, the smoking bench is by the propane. Flame flammable. It's flammable. Things can go wrong. Dragging your feet. Don't be that guy. Leah has a pair of slippers that I despise. They, they don't allow her feet to get off the ground. It's just like a sliding motion. There's something about it that I can't stand. What about smacking? Don't be that guy. You're not an animal. You're a human being. Close your mouth and chew. Maybe that. Or don't eat with me. You know, because I get disgusted about it. People that drive slow in the fast lane, don't be that guy. I'm preaching now, everybody. Don't be that guy, because if you're that guy, don't expect, don't. Have you ever been that guy, and you're like, oh, I realize I'm going slow in the. Have you ever done something, and you realize I'm being that guy? I'm being the guy that I don't like. Have you ever been there before? I'm being that guy. I realized I was being a certain guy a couple of weeks ago because I have a strong conviction that if you go to the gym, you need to wear deodorant. But the thing is, the thing is I realized I became that guy that keeps the old shirt. And the old shirt, you ever have one of those shirts that just has a, it's a, like a tangy smell? <laughs> and, and you're used to it. But nobody else is. I was thinking, man, nobody is working out around me today. And I realized that I became that guy. I had a shirt that I kept on way too long. How many of you, you appreciate friends that just tell you the truth? I got a friend, James, here. If I have a booger, he's going to tell me. He's going to be like, dude, you got, a, you got a thing right here. Well, thank you, man. I needed that. I had a friend at the gym that said, hey, I said, how do I smell? He was like, man, you're smelling ripe. <laughs> And I tried everything, but it would, nothing would get out of the, 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 the shirt. It would stay stinky. And, and, you know, it's the same in our lives when we try to have something or keep something for way too long. You think you can just wash it, forget about it, but if you get close enough, you're starting to smell. Don't be that guy. Don't be the guy that sits in church and refuses to change for years and you have a form of godliness 
but you don't allow God to change you. You got to just throw out the shirt. I've, I found out, Leah was like, you got to throw it out. You got to throw it out. I, I'm having to throw out shirts because they're not good anymore. And we got to throw out things in our life that aren't good for us anymore. Because if we hold on to them too long, we're going to start to stink spiritually, and God wants us to take a shower. Come on, somebody. And I believe that just like me not wearing socks today, you do that, you're going to feel some freedom. Right? You're going to feel some freedom when you look at some things in your life that you need to put behind you and needs to be in your rearview mirror. You're going to feel freedom in your life. Look, that shirt felt good. That shirt, I felt like it fit good. It was comfortable. I'm used to wearing that shirt. It felt like a shirt that was made for me. But the secret is that even though you feel comfortable in something, it doesn't mean that you need to stay in it. As a matter of fact, in Christianity, God will cause you to get out of what is comfortable into the thing that's uncomfortable in your life. And if you're a person of faith, you will find yourself repeatedly getting in situations where you're very uncomfortable. Are you with me today? You know, I, when I think about faithfulness, when I think about faithfulness, I think about the story that starts with Elijah. Elijah uh, goes to Ahab. Ahab uh, is getting controlled by Jezebel. Jezebel introduces Israel to Baal, and the nation of Israel has the roots of God, but they're living in the world, and they're worshiping Baal. And so Elijah goes to Ahab and says, this is it. God's fed up with it. God is going to cause there to be no rain for here on out. And we don't know where Elijah even comes from, but Ahab's like, whatever, man. And Elijah leaves. Three years later, there is no rain. As a matter of fact, did you know the Bible says that there's nothing that is different between you and I and Elijah? That if he prayed for no rain and there was no rain, that the things that you pray for that God can do? And he says, the Bible says that the prayer of a fervent, righteous man avails much. And so, uh, so, so Elijah leaves, and after three years, they're trying to find out who this guy Elijah is. They find out who Elijah is, and Elijah has this statement for them. He says, either you're going to serve Baal or you serve God. Let's choose today. Have you ever had, been in that place with God before? Either you're going to be in between or you're going to go all the way over. Either you're going to go one way or the other. God is a very simple God. He's like all in or nothing. As a matter of fact, he just says, the lukewarm is the thing I don't like. And there are places in our life that we realize that we have to say, you know what, there are things that feel comfortable, but I got I to gotta get rid of. And Elijah is saying, you're going to keep serving Baal, you're going to serve God. And he says, the God that answers my fire is going to be the God of Israel. So he sets up an altar. And the, the prophets of Baal begin to cut themselves, they're doing all kinds of weird stuff. And God doesn't show up, and it's about noontime, and Elijah says, hey, your God must be using the bathroom. He's still at the urinal. I don't know why he's not showing up. This is true. It's in the Bible. And then he gets the altar together, and fire comes from heaven, and he kills all the prophets of Baal, and God shows up on Mount Carmel. Now, you would think at that time, Elijah saw God show up with fire, and he would just be on fire there from, from the end. But the truth is, Jezebel got word of what he did and threatened him, his life. Did you know when you have a major victory in your life, you got to watch out 
for the next day? Because a lot of times when you're going through victory, Jezebel will begin to threaten your life. Jezebel will begin to, to, to threaten the things that God put in your life. How many of you, God spoke some things in your life? And, and this is what happened. Elijah, this man of God that called down fire, found himself in a cave ready to commit suicide. Now, you think you have some problems. Elijah is in a cave, and God shows up, and God says, listen, he says, God speaks to him with a still, small voice, and he says, we're going to conquer this thing. He says, I want you to anoint three people, and two of them are going to be Elisha, which is going to be um, the person you pass the baton to, and the other person is going to be Jehu. Now, these are the people that are going to destroy Jezebel and destroy Ahab, and they're going to turn the nation of Israel upside down, and they're going to change. Now, when I see this picture, when I see this uh, story of Jehu, I think of faithfulness. Now, the story of Jehu, like Becca was saying earlier, reckless love, full abandonment to what God is wanting to do, is where you find yourself when you believe what God has spoken in your life. Faithfulness only comes not by you showing up, but by you believing the simple things that God has spoke to your life. See, when we say that, oh, God spoke to me this 10 years ago, but I haven't changed anything, it tells me that God spoke it, but I really don't believe it yet. God doesn't tell you words just for your future. God tells you words so you change now that you'll be able to enter your future. And I believe because the nature of man is not faithful. Am I right about it? If you have little kids, you will know the nature of man is not faithful. When they get about two years old, their favorite word is no. Their favorite word is mine. Their favorite word is not uh, yes, you know, and giving, right? And so the nature of man is not faithful. That's why we need the nature of Jesus to be faithful. See, if you think it is just willpower for you to be faithful, you are fooling yourself. If you think I'm just going to pull up my bootstraps and I'm just going to be faithful, there is nothing faithful about you outside of Jesus. <clears throat> if you can't be faithful to God, you're not going to be able to be faithful to your spouse. If you can't be faithful to God, you're not going to be truly faithful to your household. God says, hey, True faithfulness comes from me because there is no one faithful but me. But if you want the attribute of faithfulness, you must rely on me. How many of you know that you got to get the faithfulness of God, not the faithfulness of Evan? You got to get the faithfulness of God, not the faithfulness of Mark. You got to get the faithfulness of God. And God's nature is faithful. And when he shed his blood, he introduces us to a to a thing where we're able to apply his blood and change our nature. Now, what is your nature? It's your soul. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a soul. You live in a body. I don't know if you knew that. And you have a spirit. See, the problem is the soul of man is corrupted. So we do not have the nature of faithfulness, but when we believe that we take communion with God, we see the faithfulness of Jesus on the cross, and we believe that the same nature lives in us, and we rely on his faithfulness, we become faithful. How many of you need to rely on Jesus for faithfulness? 
Now, Jehu is in a place, he is uh, an officer in the, the army, and he has a few friends that is with him, and there's an unknown prophet that comes into the room, and he anoints Jehu and says, you're going to be the king of Israel, and you need to knock out the kings of Judah, the king of Israel, and you need to kill Jezebel. The thing that I love about Jehu is he didn't say, you know what, you're right. Let me take some classes on that, and maybe I can enter into that. You're right. You know, maybe I need to work on some things in my life, and then maybe I can step into that. You know what? You're right. You're, you're right. I, I'm, I'm called to do this. I'm anointed to do this. But maybe I need to get everything in order before I do that. No, he received the word that the prophet spoke to him and said, if you said it, if God says it, it's true, and I'm stepping into it today. Yeah, give God a hand if you want to. And when we take communion with God, we are not saying, God, we are waiting to become like you. We're saying we believe that we have the nature of you now, and we're stepping into it. Not that God isn't going to change you. Not that God doesn't have to perfect you, but you believe that you have that in your life now. How many of you would walk a little different if you believed exactly what God said about your life? Anybody? I believe today that we come into a place of full of faith and grace, protection, and promotion enters our life not because of your willpower, not because you're so awesome, not because you just made a crazy decision, but that you rely on the blood of Jesus and you have faith in the blood of Jesus and it changes your nature to change your world. How many of you want to believe that today? And I believe that God is going to begin to do that. You're trying to do things in your own strength. And God is saying, you got to... This is why I came to save you. you got to rely on me. And so the prophet anoints Jehu. The prophet anoints Jehu, and Jehu starts getting ready. Like he's going right now. He's, going, he, he's not saying, I'm, <clears throat> I'm waiting for a door to open. I'm waiting for God to move. I'm waiting for God. No, God already spoke. God already opened the door. It was from a prophet, and then he left. He didn't say, well, you know what, let me, let me just wait for, for the right timing. No, he said, God spoke it, I'm stepping into it. And, and he starts to get ready to go take out the kings, and I love what his crew said. His crew, the officers around him said, what did that crazy man want? He was like, oh, don't worry about it. They're like, no, tell me. He said, well, he anointed me to be king and to take over the nation of Israel. And they said, I'm with you. And they run out with Jehu with him. How many of you know you need to find a crew in your life that believes the anointing on your life? You need a crew in your life that when you begin to say, this is what God put in my heart, they don't begin to put you down. They don't begin to get jealous. They don't begin to say, you know what, I don't think it's really you're, you're able to really be cut out for that. You need to find people in your life that believe that God is working in you and has an anointing on you. You need to surround yourself with people that encourage you to step out. I love this crew. I want a crew like this. They say, God spoke it. I'm with you, man. God spoke it. I'm going to ride with you. Don't you love people like that? Don't you love that people are for you even when you don't understand? I love friends that are for you in the good and the bad. If you have friends that are only for you when you're in the good, then you need to get rid of them. You need friends that are for you when you're doing good. You need friends that are for you when you're struggling. Because if they're not for you when you're struggling, they're not your friend. 
As a matter of fact, your struggle is a stepping stone for their pride. Oh, did you hear they're really, they're really, I mean, they're really going through it. But no phone call? Come on, somebody. If you want to be faithful, then you're going to become a friend. When you're faithful to God, you become a real faithful friend. Come on, somebody. How many of you want to ask God to surround yourself with people that are faithful when you go through the good and the bad? See, I might forgive you, but it doesn't mean i got to trust you. Because I realized that you were for me when things were good, but when I was down, I never heard from you. And I love you, but I am thankful for faithful people in my life. And I am thankful for a crew that says, man, I'm for you. I'm standing with you. How are you doing? Let me look at the good, bad, and ugly. I'm going to back you up. I'm going to pray for you. I like people that I call and say, man, I need some prayer. And they begin to stay up all night and pray for me. That's the kind of crew that I want. A faithful friend who can find. I have some faithful friends in this room. I am thankful that they are only faithful because they know the faithfulness of God. How many of you are thankful for faithful people? And so Elijah gets everything together. And or Jehu gets everything together and he just rides out to go fight the king. He fights the king of Judah. He rides out and they see him from a distance and they say, man, this looks like the reckless driving of Jehu. Don't you love that? This looks like the reckless driving of Jehu. See, when you step into the purpose of God, God is not calling you to be eloquent. When you step into the purpose of God, God is not calling you to look like you have it all together. When you step into the purpose of God, you might look a little reckless. When you step into God, what God is calling you to do, you might have to be all out. Come on, somebody. How many of you want to get rid of the old and get into the new? We've been stuck in a place way too long where we said, eventually we're going to open up a cell group. Eventually we're going to tell somebody about God. Eventually we're going to start praying like this. Eventually we're going to win our city. Eventually I'm going to stand for my family. Eventually needs to be over today and for you to begin to say, I'm going to step into the purpose of God for my life. I'm spitting everywhere. And so Jehu, he goes out and he finds the first king. And I just love, he doesn't even think about it. He doesn't think about it. He just pulls out his bow. He shoots his bow and it kills the first king. This is the first thing that you need to kill in your life. If you want to be faithful, the first thing that you need to kill in your life is you got to kill everything in your life that keeps you from being intimate with God. You got to be one with God. You got to be unified with God. And the first thing to being faithful is to have unity. The first thing to be faithful is to say, God, I believe you and I are one. Come on, somebody. You got to begin to believe that God is for you and God is with you. Are you stepping into a place where you enjoy God? You know what the Bible says? Delight in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. You're either delighting in God or you're delighting in the world. You're either enjoying God or you're enjoying the things of the world more. That word delight is to enjoy. How many of you want to enjoy God? See, you got to get anything that's out in your way between the intimacy that you need to have with God. You say intimacy, that's a weird word. It's, it's like, you know, being one with God. The Bible says it's kind of like being one in marriage. 
that you begin to communicate with each other and you begin to love each other and you begin to enjoy each other. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you've enjoyed God? Not had to go to God and just give him a list of things that you're asking for. Not going to God and feeling like you just got to fight for the breakthrough. When's, When's the last time that God has been your friend? Let me challenge you. If you're in a place where you feel alone, God is your friend. He's a great friend. And you can talk to him about anything David did. He let God know what he was thinking and feeling. Abraham was a friend of God so much that God had to tell him all of God's secrets because he knew Abraham's going to know what's up. I want to be that kind of friend with God. When's the last time you've enjoyed him? When's the last time you said, God, what do you think about this? You know, that was God's original intent. God's original intent when he made Adam and Eve was to walk with him in the cool of the day, to create with him and to love him and enjoy him. You know what causes you not to be unified with God is when you don't really see God in the perfect view and you think God is always condemning you. No, as a matter of fact, God just wants, he's a jealous God. He wants everything out of your life that is keeping you away from being intimate with him. What are you thinking about more? What are you passionate about more? What do you desire more than God? Let me challenge you to burn it up. Let me challenge you to get rid of it. You say, well, I like it. Yeah, but do you want faithfulness in your life? Do you want grace in your life? Do you want protection in your life? I wasn't going to say this because Lee and I were talking about it, but God said there are two kind of people. He said, there's a good and faithful servant, and there's a wicked and lazy servant. They're both servants. Well, I serve. I serve. Yeah, but are you a good and faithful servant, or are you a wicked and lazy servant? (laughs) Because the truth is, the truth is God, God wants us to be connected with him. Are you going to, if you're going to serve Baal, serve Baal. If you're going to serve God, serve God. If you're going to give God your all then say anything that's keeping me in the way. See, those of you that are married, you understand that there are things that can get in the way of your marriage that can keep you out of intimacy and trust and enjoying each other. It's the same for God. He's a jealous God. What are the things? See, if if you are married, if you're married in here today and your spouse goes and flirts with somebody else, are you going to get jealous about it? You say, well, I'm not a jealous person. You should be jealous about it. You should be saying, what's going on right here? I don't like that. And God is saying, hey, what are these other things in your life? I want, I want it all. I want your heart. I want everything about you. I, I'm a jealous God. I want it all. What is the thing that's keeping you from being intimate with God? What are you enjoying more than God? Delight in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. So he kills the first king. And then he's going after the second. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to go after the second. The second king that he kills represents killing everything that's keeping you from receiving the word of God in your life. In other words, you got to kill the pride out of your life that keeps you from humbly receiving the word of God for your life. See, it gets religious where when I want to be intimate with God, I want to be close to God, but I don't want to receive the word of God. 
I want to have a relationship with God, but I don't want to receive what he has to say to me. See, there are things in my life when Lee and I are together, there are things that that we enjoy each other, but they might be something that I do that she doesn't like. And I have to say, you know what? I'm sorry for allowing that to get in the way. This is how you feel. This is how God is. He doesn't want you to think that, you know what, well, you just, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna wink at everything that you do, and I, I don't really care because the blood covers it. It does cover it. But the blood of Jesus and the grace of God is to get you out, not only out, but to keep you from. Come on, somebody. So the first thing that you have to kill is the thing that's keeping you intimate from God. But the second thing you have to kill is the thing, the thing that's keeping you from not receiving the word of God. How many of you know that that takes humility? His word, not your opinions. His word, not your opinions. His word, not the opinions of others. Quit looking at people and start looking at God's words. Because at the end of the day, you are accountable for God's words. Don't get in the opinions of others. What does God say? Come on, come on, somebody. You can be in religions for so long that you begin to pick up on the opinions of others, and it's not even in the word of God. You got to begin to say, God, I'll receive your words. I'll receive your words. You might have faced some disappointments. You might have been around somebody that's faced disappointments. But just because they didn't receive the healing doesn't mean you can't receive the healing. Just because they didn't see the breakthrough of God doesn't mean you can't see the breakthrough of God. You got to get away from all the opinions. And you got to see Jesus for yourself. Don't you love that Zacchaeus, a little, little, uh, uh, he, he reminds me of a little Italian mafia guy that broke people's legs for money in the Bible, begin to say, Jesus is on the road. I'm running past the crowd and I'm climbing a tree to see who he is. You got to run past the crowd. You got to run past yourself. You got to run to a place and get to see what his word says because his word is true. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If you want to be faithful, then you got to be humble. If you say, I'm humble, you're probably not humble. Well, I'm just a humble person, really. I heard a story of a guy that got the humble award at church, and it was a, like a little, uh, it was a pin, and he wore it all the time. They had to take it away because he wasn't humble. Humility, humility Don't get into false humility. Humility looks like confidence. David was humble. Saul was prideful. Saul cared more about what people thought. David cared more about what God thought. David made an offense towards God. Saul made an offense towards God. But one person was able to enter into grace and another person didn't. See, humble says, God, I'm sorry. So, uh, look, write this down. Humility speaks. Humility speaks. Hum- humility says, God, you know best. Humility says, you know what, I'm wrong. Humility says, I need help. Humility says, you are better. You know the Bible says that? It says to begin to look at people like they're better than yourself. 
It's only insecurity in you that makes you feel like you got to tear down everybody around you to make yourself feel better. Come on, somebody. Humility is the confidence to know who you are in God and see people better than yourself. Not in an insecure way, but that you're confident in who you are in God. Humility says, how can I serve? Humility doesn't say, what can I get out of you? Don't just be intimate with God. Say, God, what do you want in my life? What's the word that you want in my life? What do I need to change to be more connected to you? Are there things in your life that you have to say, God, I'm sorry for that? Don't identify yourself with failures, but don't keep your failures. Learn from them. And begin to say, you know what, I'm not identifying with that. God, what do you need me to do to change? What's in your life that God is saying? You got to get rid of that. The last thing that Jehu did that I love, and we're going to close here. Jehu saw Jezebel on a tower, and Jezebel was putting on makeup to try to seduce him. And he, she began to flirt with him and began to, to call Jehu a, a, uh, a king killer and begin to try to puff him up. See, because Jehu wanted, or Jezebel wanted to just get along with Jehu. See, the enemy is not scared of Christians that are not obedient to God. The enemy is not scared of Christians that just pray, but Christians that pray and obey. And the deceptive realm wants you to say, you know what, just have a form of godliness, but don't really live it. Don't really live what God is telling you to do. But how many of you know that Jehu walked up to Jezebel after she started flirting with him? How many of you know that the world is going to want to flirt with you? Religion will want to flirt with you. Listen, just keep it cool. You don't got to be full out for God. Just keep it cool. Look, you're doing well. You're doing good. Just, just You don't have to really do everything that God is asking you to do. And Jehu said, throw her down. Throw her down from there. And the Bible says they threw down Jezebel, and Jezebel splattered on the ground, and he ran over her with chariots, and dogs came and licked up her remains. Sounds like violence to me. How many of you know that faithfulness is, is not, is, it's a violent thing? Faithfulness to God is a violent thing. It's not a comfortable thing. It is a thing that says, what is getting in between me and the intimacy with God? What is the thing that I need to say I'm sorry about? What is the thing that you're asking me to do? Don't wait to do it tomorrow. Do it today. Just like he poured the oil on Jehu, and he says, I got it. God's blood was poured out, and you need to receive the faithfulness of God and say, I got it. I'm running after the thing that God spoke to me in my heart. I'm running at Some of you... I know prophecies that's been spoken to you, dreams that's been spoken to you, things that God has told you, and you've been holding back. You got you to gotta get out of it. Get out of the old and begin to step into what God has for your life. Come on, stand up with me.
If you say, you know what, I want the nature of faithfulness so I can step into grace, protection, and promotion, just wave your hands at me. Let me see you all over the room, all over the room. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, shed the blood that gives us faithfulness. The Bible says that he separated himself from his friends because they wouldn't stay up with him. They divided themselves from God. How many of you know that Jesus had to face some division so that he had to pay for division so that we can come into a mindset of unity? Jesus had to face some division so that we have the mindset of unity. How many of you know that you're one with God? Jesus fell on dirt in that garden. How many of you know that you and I are made of dirt? He humbled himself. You see the nature of faithfulness in God. And then he says this to God, God, not my will, but your will be done. You see unity, humility, and obedience. Say that with me. Unity, humility, and obedience. This is the elements that make up faithfulness. What happens when you put hydrogen and oxygen together? You make water. You put together unity, humility, and obedience, and there goes faithfulness flowing out your life. God wants you to take on these, this nature of God so that you step into faithfulness in your life. Now, it's, it, it happens by faith. How many of you want to say, I'm going to step into faithfulness with God? See, we're saved by grace through faith. God wants you to step into some faith today and not wait for tomorrow to step into the promises of God, but start doing it today. <coughs> Come on, if that's you today, just lift your hands. I want you to see Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. And the Bible says that he took on the whole world's unfaithfulness and that it was so much stress that he began to sweat drops of blood. It was that blood that was shed that gives us the grace to have his faithfulness. Say this with me today. Jesus, I receive your blood of faithfulness in my life. I repent for any division for any pride, for any disobedience. Today I want intimacy. Today I want humility. Today I want to obey your words. Now today I receive that blood that gives me faithfulness. Today I have a mindset of unity. I have a heart of humility and I have actions of obedience. Come on, you need to receive it right now. You need to receive it right now. What area in your life do you need to have grace? Come into faith right now. This is a week that you and your wife are coming into faith and grace. You're noticing a grace when you're with your family. You're noticing a grace. What area in your life, because of the blood of faithfulness you just received, you're coming into grace. Do you believe it? Come on, begin to think about it. Begin to believe it. What area in your life do you need grace? Is it in your finances? Because of the blood of faithfulness, you get grace, protection, and promotion. Not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus did. Your righteousness comes from the blood of Jesus. What area do you need grace? Step into it today. Step into it today. Expect it today. Faith is expectation. Faith is expectation. 
What area in your life do you need promotion? What area in your life do you need to see yourself go to the next level? God called us to go to faith to faith, to glory to glory. Quit taking two steps forward and three steps back. God is going to cause you to go to another level in your ministry. God is going to cause you to graduate in maturity. God is going to cause you. Those of you that are single and you want to get married, God is causing you to begin to change. And God's going to get that spouse that you've been waiting for. Come on, what breakthrough you need in your life. Don't wait for it tomorrow. Don't wait out and say, well, I'm just waiting for an open door. No, step in it today. What are the things in your life that you know you got to get out of your life? God is saying that right there. It's got to go. It's got to go. Come on, can you put that at the feet of Jesus today? Can you put that at the feet of Jesus today? Is it an addiction? Is it an attitude? What is it that you got to put at the feet of Jesus today? Let me ask you this. What in your life that you need protection from? You need to come into faith that God is going to heal your family. You need to come into faith that God is protecting you from sickness. God is protecting you from devastation. You said, well, my parents went through divorce. I'm I'm expecting divorce. No, no, no. Because of the blood of faithfulness, God is protecting you. And he's guiding you. Come on with me. Just lift your hands. I want to pray for you. And we're going to be dismissed. Lord, I pray. I apply the blood of faithfulness over this room today. I plead the blood of faithfulness. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And today, we declare your faithfulness over our life. And we declare grace over our life. We declare protection over our life. We declare promotion over our life. Because of your goodness, God. Because of your faithfulness, God. We thank you, Lord, that you're causing us to step into our divine destiny. Not tomorrow, but today. By the blood of Jesus. If you believe that today, can you give God a hand today? Can you give God a shout today? He's bringing you to another level with him. Come on, hug your neighbor and say, I'm stepping into faithfulness. We're going to see you this week in our life groups. Love you guys.